You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 954 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order with Built Bar. The podcast today will be mostly mailbag-focused. But first, a look at Monday night's game for the Hawks in Los Angeles. They're going to be playing the Clippers and a pretty good Clippers team, quite obviously. In fact, the Hawks are underdogs. In this game, they're six-point underdogs, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag. So, um, an uphill climb on some level, but reinforcements are on the way for the Hawks, at least in the near future. DeAndre Hunter is listed as questionable for the first time in a long time. In fact, he's missed 23 games in a row. He's not played since January 29th, and this is the first glimmer of hope on the actual um, official injury report. Questionable does not mean he's going to play, to be sure, but that's a positive step for all involved, and it would be great if he could get on the court, even if, even if limited in this game. So, uh, we'll see. What happens on Monday, but that's probably a good sign that Hunter will be playing in the near future. Elsewhere, uh, no reddish or done in this game for the Hawks, and Trey Young is questionable, sorry, probable with a right quad contusion. But other than that, a pretty clean injury report. The Clippers will be without Serge Ibaka and Patrick Beverly in this game. Some pretty, you know, reasonably key pieces for them in the rotation. But the last time these two teams met in January, the Hawks won in, in, in Atlanta. The Clippers were without both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They're two all-stars. This time, they're both scheduled to play, so a much more difficult task this time for the Hawks. And as a result, they are underdogs in this game. LA's offense is quite good. They're third in the league in offense, and they absolutely smashed the Hornets over the weekend to improve 27-16 overall. But they're only 3-5 of their last eight, so they're not playing incredibly well right now. They are 14-6 and at home this year and 6 in net rating, so... This is a good basketball team the Hawks are going to be seeing in this spot, but not an unbeatable game um, by any means. On Atlanta's side, obviously they've been winning at a crazy pace. They have the longest winning streak in the league right now, and their longest since 2015 with eight games in a row. Um, they're now in solo they're now in solo fourth place in the Eastern Conference after the Heat loss on Sunday. Only a half game up, but still fourth place in the East. Pretty impressive. And uh, entering Sunday, the Hawks are 10th in offense, 16th in defense, and 9th in net rating at plus 1.8. That is pretty comfortably ahead of 10th, by the way, though almost three points behind the top eight. So they're almost in their own tier right now, which is kind of crazy, but that's where they are. Elsewhere, um, individually, I wanted to point this out, and it's actually a shout-out to Andrew Kelly. I appreciate Hoops to tweet this out a little bit on Sunday, but Danilo Gallinari has been out of his mind in recent days, and that's kind of lifted his play for the full season. For the year now, Gallo's at 41.5% from three and 61.5% true shooting for the season, both of which are obviously awesome stats. In the last seven games, he's averaging 19 points a game, 6.4 rebounds, and he's shooting 51% from the floor, 50% from three, and 95% from the free throw line, which is about a 70% true shooting clip. So that tells you what Gallinari had to do to get back to where he normally is. But after all that, even with the defensive foibles that he definitely has, he's kind of back to where he was supposed to be coming into the year, which is a huge thing for Atlanta. Obviously, Bogdanovich being back helps and he's running into form and the Hawks are just much more complete than they have been. If Hunter comes back as well, that'd be a huge in- injection of talent. Also, one more note individually, uh, Tony Snell has an 88.5% true shooting during the winning streak. That's not a misprint, 88.5%. Now he has 7.7% usage. So it's a very small sample. He's only taking four shots a game 
and 2.8 3s per game. But Tony Snell has not missed a shot basically in the entire uh, year. So weird stat there, but he's been awesome when he's played. And then John Collins has been great lately as well. The last four games, especially 22 points, 11 rebounds, and uh, some lights out shooting. The Hawks are plus 49 in his 126 minutes in that in those in those four games. Um, Trey Young plus 52. So the Hawks have been playing great with basically everybody on the court, but. No lulls really with this team in terms of the on-off stuff recently. Still the best players are better when they're playing and a little bit worse when they're not, but the bench has been much, 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 much better. That's probably one of the biggest sneaky things about this run is that the bench has not been giving away leads in the way they were before, and uh, that's not a small thing. So, again, coming into the game here, it's a test for Atlanta. It is their toughest game on paper in you know three, four weeks now. Um, this whole winning streak has not been the most difficult competition in the world and obviously the Lakers game was supposed to be a little bit more difficult, and then LeBron gets hurt. So even before that, though, I will say the Clippers are six-point favorites, whereas the Lakers were four-point favorites. So on paper, this is the toughest game in a while for the Hawks, a nice little measuring stick game for Atlanta. And uh, they've actually had the – this is probably their best rest spot on the whole trip because they didn't have to travel. Uh, same building as, Sunday, uh, as Saturday. So some nice positives to look at. And if Hunter plays, that'd be very, very helpful, especially against a team that has Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on it. So we'll come back with that after the game, of course, but I wanted to at least look ahead a little bit since I was doing this extra podcast in the middle of games. Um, before we get to the mailbag, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me. You're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. You and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the, over the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism. And honestly, you should use it because I use it and uh, you absolutely should too to be relaxed and help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. And while the NBA is the topic of this podcast, obviously there are all kinds of wagering options up and down the menu at BetOnline.ag. One of the main things right now is college basketball with March Madison full swing up in Indianapolis and a ton of games to check out in that space. In addition to that, you have the NHL, you have golf, you have tennis, auto racing, MMA, whatever you like, you can find it at betonline.ag. And on top of the sports action, you can also wager on awards and TV shows and reality TV entertainment options up and down the board. You have all of those kind of things. And 
Bet Online also features real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. The prop market is are a lot of fun. If you don't have an opinion on the side or the total, the props give you another way to dive in on the action. And Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up for an account. Head to the website right now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up right now today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the site. Yes, it is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% more on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we'll dive in now to the mailbag portion of the podcast. The first question comes from Ash. And the question is, will the Hawks put Nathan Knight on the full-time roster this season? What happens if they actually don't choose to do that? So there's two things to note here on Nathan Knight, or Skylar Mays, by the way. I'm going to refer to Knight, but all of this applies to Mays as well. Keep that in mind. Um, Because the NBA changed their two-way rules for the season, the Hawks don't have to worry about a limit of roster days for either one of these guys. They can be with the team all season long, and with the change the league made, they're eligible for the playoffs as well, which is important because the Hawks are projected to be a playoff team, and they might want to use Knight or Mays in the playoffs and that's not a concern anymore with the way that the league has changed the rules. Previous to that, two ways couldn't play in the playoffs, which would have been a problem, obviously. Um, so because of that, there is less traditional urgency to convert Knight's contract. And by the way, the Hawks need a roster spot to do that, and they don't have one right now. They could obviously change that pretty easily, and they might make a trade in the near future. But unless they do that, they couldn't make a move with Knight or Mays right now. And also, this is sort of a smaller thing, but if they chose to give Knight or Mays a full, con- a full contract right now, they actually couldn't replace them on, as two ways, which is, again, a smaller consideration. But if the Hawks wanted to have 17 guys available instead of 15, um, the only way to do that is to have is to sort of keep those guys on those two ways contracts because the deadline has passed to sign two-way deals for this season. The second thing is, um, if they don't change the deal during the season, they will have the option to tender a qualifying offer. And in, in the case of Knight or Mays, all they have to do is offer another two-way deal next season, which is a pretty easy offer. It's pretty cheap to do that. Those guys have, all, have already played pretty well, so that's kind of a no-brainer on some level. Um, by doing that, they would get the restricted free agent rights on either one of them, so other teams could certainly offer them a contract, but they'd be limited to the Arias provision. Um, so without going crazy into the de- details there, um, the Hawks have the ability to match any offer if they don't want to extend them on their own. Um, also, Knight hasn't played a ton, clearly, this season, so it's still pretty early to make like big conclusions about him. The Hawks might want to get him on a team-friendly deal if they're able to do that, but think about this. They have to do two different things. Number one, you have to have a roster spot. Number two, Knight and his agent and his agent have to agree on a deal like that. So there's upside if they can get him what, what, what people kind of refer to as uh, you know one of those hinky specials on the, on the uh, Sixers side where they sign a guy, they sign a guy to a multi-year deal, non-guaranteed all the way through, and really team-friendly, but also with some upside, um, Knight might not sign that. Um, so that's that's a question as well. So at the end of the day, if they want to keep Nathan Knight beyond the season, they're going to be able to do that. Um, the question is kind of what happens in-season versus out-of-season. In-season, they could just do nothing. He'll be on the team all year long. Or if they want to make a move elsewhere, they could then give him a real contract, but the impact of that is minimal compared to what it would have been previously. You know, in the last couple of years, they would have had to make decisions on these guys to have them play more or keep them throughout the season. This year, the two-way contract is a lot more leeway, so Knight and Mays can just stick around with no other problem. Okay, um, elsewhere, next question comes from Randy, who asks if there are any thoughts on Sam Bassini's prospect rankings for this year. Um by the way, bless you, Randy, for reminding me about this. This is on my list a while ago, and I meant to talk about it, and I never did. So um, this came out about a month ago. Sam is a good friend of the program from The Athletic. He ranked all the prospects across the league on rookie-scale deals. And I talked about it a little bit with the team rankings. The Hawks were actually number two 
in the league on their, on their team list. I would have had a number one, honestly, because of the depth that they have. Um, but those those records are definitely available. I'm not going to go through all of them because it's behind a, behind a paywall. But on the Hawks side, individually, um, Trey Young was number seven overall. Uh, he was number five last year, and I think he still should be in the top five. This is just me talking now. Um, I would have had him in the top five. The two guys that I don't agree with being ahead of him for sure are Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think Mitchell is more understandable because he obviously had the great bubble and he's more proven on the highest level in the playoffs. Um, I've never been a huge Mitchell guy, though, honestly. Good player, clearly, but not somebody that I think is like a number one on a title team. Obviously, Utah, Utah's been playing great this year, but he's been surrounded by a ton of other talent. Um, Shea's really good as well, but I think Trey's just flat out better than he is at this point in time. So that's that's just something to keep in mind as well. But anyway, um, Trey's the number, the, sort of the top-rated Hawk for obvious reasons, and number seven overall on that list. Um, DeAndre Hunter was 13th, which is a big jump for him, and I think that's warranted from how he played early in the season. Then John Collins at 18, Akongwu was 34, Reddish was 46, and then Vecini wrote in the team section that Herter would have been 51 on the list. It was actually a top 50, but Herter was 51, so keep that in mind as well. So that's all of all of Atlanta's young guys on this list. I saw some some Hawks fans that were surprised about Akongwu being that high, but as I've been saying all season long, I think people people are panicking too much about Akongwu. He's still a really good prospect that a lot of people like. Um, you know, obviously this season has not been going fantastically for a lottery pick, but he's not good right now, and that's worth saying out loud. You know, rookies are often not very good, as I've been saying on this podcast for a long time. But Akongwu still has plenty of upside. I still like him quite a bit, so no 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 surprises there. And again, the biggest thing about all of this is was, is the leap from Hunter. Hunter was 39 last year on the same list. Going to 13, that's a huge factor that can't be ignored. Like, his his jump is massive, and if he can come back on that level when he returns, as he's seemingly getting ready to return right now, that would be a huge, huge thing. So, I think overall, the Hawks are in this weird spot, and not in a bad way, where they're also, they still have a, a cupboard full of young talent. Obviously, having, you know, f- six guys in the top 51 in terms of prospect rankings is pretty encouraging for a team that's already good. And you combine those guys with Capella and Bogdanovich and Gallinari, and you have a heck of a core. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's not a team that's prospect-driven anymore. Obviously, you want these guys to keep continuing to improve. But the Hawks spent money this offseason and clearly want to be good now. So they're in this weird spot of transition. And again, not in a bad way. They're just kind of no longer is it going to be a ton of prospect rankings and all, all this kind of stuff that looks forward. They're kind of looking in the present. Maybe some future stuff still, but I uh, just want to keep that in mind as well. But anyway, Hawks number two on that list overall and uh, six guys in the top 51. That is pretty encouraging overall. Okay, before I get to a couple of more questions on the podcast, a word from our sponsors on the show, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, and in my opinion anyway, the best tasting protein bar ever. And in addition to tasting amazing, it is low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and it has 100% chocolate on all of the bars. And now, here in the month of March, is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best because it's Built Bar Madness. The bracket is available at BuiltBar.com, and right now we are in the sweetest 16, with a couple matchups still remaining to narrow the field down to eight. It is Coconut Brownie Chunk against Lemon Almond Cheesecake, and Coconut against WC Birthday Cake. All of those are awesome, but my personal favorite of the four is Lemon Almond Cheesecake. I don't want to put my finger on the scales too much, but there you go on that. And if you want more information, you can find it at bar underscore built on Twitter or again at BuiltBar.com. 
Remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15. 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won the matchups and who will become the best tasting protein bar. One more time, that is promo code LOCKED15. 15% off your next order. Check it all out at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making ways of bringing more confidence to the bedroom, and it's a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so there's no visit to doctor's office of any kind, no awkward conversations, no waiting line at the pharmacy, and ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll get your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. If you don't like swallowing pills, there's no problem here. Blue Chew's sildenafil and tadalafil are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are also made in the USA, and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So, if you can benefit from all of the extra confidence that it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And, on top of that, we have a special deal for our listeners. You can try Blue Chew for free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay the $5 in shipping. That is BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, back to the questions, and the next one is actually not a basketball one, but more about me, and I'll, I'll try to answer it quickly. Um, this question comes from Zeb, who says... Did I hear right that you have a day job? Do you, do you just cover the Hawks part-time? That surprised me. So I'll apologize not a long-time listeners because I'm sure I've done this before on the podcast, but a few people have been asking me about this since the last mailbag to shed some light on my setup. So I'll go ahead and do that. The only non-basketball question that I will do on the podcast today. I do have a day job. And without getting too much into that, I work for a nonprofit as a writer and communications person um, by proxy. I do cover the Hawks part-time. When you look through all the hours that I spend on that, it's probably close to a full-time job between covering the team and watching film and writing and editing for Beachtree Hoops and doing this podcast. It's a lot of hours, but it's certainly a part-time job for me. Also write part-time for Dime. I cover the NBA, college basketball, and the NBA draft there. I, work, I do some work for Sportsline as well, and I host the Braves podcast. So I've covered that team for a while now too. So I have several jobs. I usually joke about that, but I do have several jobs. Um, I'd love to cover the Hawks um, even more. But that isn't feasible from a monetary perspective at this point in time. I am the manager. I'm the managing editor of Peachtree Hoops, of course. Um, people think that that's a full time job for me, but it's it's not. And um, yeah, it's not a financially motivated thing. I just like covering basketball, and obviously I, we have sponsors on this podcast, and it does bring in some money for me, but not a full time thing at this point in time. So I do work a lot, probably you know ninety to hundred hours a week during the season. That's a lot of time, but it's probably what it is if you factor all of it in, in addition to my day job. So yeah. Um, free agency, summer league, um, right now around the deadline, it's very busy and I try to get some sleep whenever I can, but I do have a day job that answers the question. I think I don't travel regularly with the Hawks as a result of that. Um, and there are, there's some access limitations as a result of that as well, but I do read everything possible about the team and watch every minute of every game multiple times and all that stuff. So that's been a setup for a while. Hopefully that answers your question. And I do have a day job. So if I ever mention that or I can't be on an availability, that's the reason why. And hopefully everyone understands the limitations that go along with that. Okay, next question comes from Jonathan, who says, Tim Bontemps of ESPN wrote something that mentioned the Hawks as a potential buyer and brought up Kevin Herter as a trade option. Did you, did you see that, and what were your thoughts? Um, the, piece, the piece from Bontemps, by the way, who's been on this podcast before, shouts to Tim, um, was for the middle of last week, and he talks about some league's executives and insiders about the deadline. So there's some speculation in there, to be sure. Some of it was about Collins 
and that we'll come back to Collins in a minute, but he did quote an Eastern Conference executive as saying the Hawks are, quote, putting it out there that they're willing to pay Collins if he gets the max, but they won't be thrilled about it, end quote. That was in that story. Also, as for the questions from Jonathan, Bontemps quoted another executive by saying the Hawks are, quote, still going to do something, end quote. And another guy said that they're that they, that they would like to buy on the market while floating Herder and Picks as a potential package. Now, I will stress this could be a, just spitballing with regard to Herder. And aside from Collins, I guess it would be logical on some level to move Herder if they wanted to pick one guy from the core to do that. But because, you know, it's it's all kind of guessing. I've not heard anything about Herder, honestly. That was the one kind of throw-in that was there. So that's, I think the only... I'll just put it this way. The only guys who are un- the only guy is un- who's actually untradeable is Trey Young, practically speaking. Um, I would I think DeAndre Hunter would be a close second there. I think DeAndre Hunter's not going to, not going to go any- anywhere unless there's an absolute star on the table. And even then, they, they love DeAndre. Um, but from there, like everyone else is like practically available. There are definitely there are definitely different levels of that. But um, just want to say that out loud. Um, there's just <laughs> the one thing about Herder since the question was kind of kind of about that is that he'll be extension eligible. This summer, I know Trey Young's deal is going to be the topic of conversation because he's probably going to get the max, and he should. Um, but Herter is the same class, so he'll be up for an extension. That'll be interesting negotiation between the two sides if there actually is one. Also, there was some reporting from Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer on Sunday that involves some discussions with Cam Reddish for Lonzo Ball. I haven't heard that, so I'm just going to go off of that. You know, I didn't I didn't write about it. I don't want to do a whole deep dive on that because it's not like Woj or Shams talking about like actual you know real buzz there, but. I would say Cam is a polarizing guy in Lee circles. You know, the Hawks famously love Cam. Um, I, I think that's probably still the case now. Um, other teams do as well. Other teams don't like him at all. So it's kind of a weird prospect. He's always been that way. And this has just been kind of a lost season for Rich in a lot of ways. So I have no idea what his value is right now on the market if the Hawks wanted to trade him. So uh, that's a big shrug for me. People are asking sort of my reaction on that ball for Reddish deal. I will say that, you know, Lonzo is a lot better than Cam right now. That does not mean he will be long-term, but Lonzo is really good at this point in time. He's come, he's had a really a really nice season. With that said, he'll be a free agent this summer. He's going to get a lot of money. Um, he's older than Cam. And I'm not sure the Pelicans are going to do Lonzo for Cam. And I'm not sure the Hawks want to do Cam plus more for Lonzo. So I don't know where that is, but that's kind of the uh, straight rumor that was out there on Sunday. Um, as for the part about the Hawks buying on the market, I could see that happening. Uh, I will say the Collins dynamic weighs in a lot here. If they're going to trade... Collins, it's hard to then like turn around and try to get better by buying on the market because trading Collins makes them notably worse. So it's kind of a conflicting messages kind of thing. And if they don't trade Collins, they don't really have a lot of glaring needs. I mean, once Hunter's back, and that's going to be, it seems like going to be pretty soon, it would be pretty, you know, it's pretty interesting to say this, but they don't have a lot of like flat out holes. This is the team that was like known for depth coming into the year, and they've had to utilize all of it because they've had so many injuries. But if you look at the roster, yeah, like backup center is a spot that if they're playing a game to like, you know, fade relegation today, you probably would want a better backup center than what they have right now. But they've obviously invested heavily in a Congo for long term. So anything they, that they would do there would be a stopgap measure. Backup point guards, the other one, like Rondo's been better recently, number one. Also, it's a two-year deal for him and they love him in the locker room. So like, are they going to move off Rondo? I think I would probably say no to that. So in practical in practical terms. So there are teams around the league that like have obvious places to upgrade that probably should be buying on the market. And yeah, the Hawks could get better by making a move or two, but you know, trying to find out where those moves are going to be, it isn't as obvious for this Hawks team as it is for some others. So keep that all in mind, but uh, we have one more question to get it to and we'll sort of answer some more on this right now. 
Um, last one comes from Dave, and Dave asks about John Collins. He says, has anything changed with, has anything changed with the way that you view the John Collins situation with the Hawks going on this winning streak, and do you think he'll be traded? Okay, so uh, as of now, it is Sunday night, March 21st. Um, I think not a ton has changed. There's lots of them. We talked about this on the podcast a, week, a few weeks ago. Um, obviously, the Hawks winning complicates matters in a good way for Atlanta. But this is my position. I'll just recap it quickly with some bullet points here. Uh, John Collins is very, very good, and the Hawks can match any offer. That is important to point out on all of those things. The Hawks, by the way, will not have much salary cap space if he leaves in free agency because they spent so much money last summer that, yeah, they'll have a little bit of flexibility if John leaves, but it not, it's not a situation where if he leaves, they have max cap space. That's not a thing. If he leaves, they don't have cap space to throw. In fact, that, that report from the Ringer today mentioned like the Hawks having cap space to pursue Lonzo Ball, which just that doesn't exist. Um, the only way the Hawks have any space at all is if they make trades, but right now they would not have the ability to do that, even with even if Collins left. Um I think they're definitely listening on John Collins. There's conflicting info that I've heard on how eager they are to actually move him. But they're definitely listening. That is not fake. That's definitely real. Um, it's hard to trade Collins even if they want to because he's not making a lot of money. I know I've said this a lot on the podcast, but I'll, I just want to say it again. Him making $4 million or so complicates matters. They do have Tony Snell's expiring contract if they want to pair him with Tony Snell. But Snell has been important for them the last couple of weeks. And also... You know, that's a two for one that gets you to like maybe 20 million max. So there's not a whole lot of money, um, flexibility kind of stuff to get around there to kind of match salary, which is important that you, ha- you have to be able to do that in season. And also, the Hawks are in this weird spot right now because they built this team to be better now and make the playoffs. And that's not necessarily congruent with trading Collins for a package that looks to the future with either picks or young players or both in the middle of the season. So the other thing that, like, that they, I guess they could have theoretically done is trying to find a star, but that, that guy's not really available right now, so cross that one off unless that's something just gets shocking in the middle of this three-day period. So with all those points out of the way, I think it's possible that the winning streak has impacted things. Whether it should or not is a question that's separate, obviously. But the Hawks winning eight games in a row at the, at the time of this recording, it is a lot harder to justify a package for John Collins especially PR-wise, that's not like an over-the-moon package because um, the Hawks are obviously red hot right now and on, on pace to make the playoffs. So that's that's a tough one. Now, on the flip side, if they absolutely decided, and I'm going to stress this, that they, that they absolutely decided they were not going to pay John, that's an important thing, and I, I'm not reporting that. I'm saying if they have just decided that they don't want to pay him, you still probably want to trade him at some point, whether it's now or sign and trade, which you're going to get less in a sign and trade than you would now. But... Again, like if, if, if Schlenk and Wrestler have just decided that they're not going to do that, you want to get something for him, ideally. I think Collins is going to get a lot of money on the market. And by the way, he's earned a lot of money. John is very good and he's 23 years old and it's a market in which there, aren't a, there isn't a lot of star power. So any notion of like a discount happening for John Collins, I'd be pretty surprised. He's going to get a lot of money. Whether, whether it's the max is, I guess, a different question, but I will personally be surprised if it's not a nine-figure contract for John, either in Atlanta or somewhere else. I think it would have been easier to, you know, quote unquote easier, (laughs) I should say, to trade him if the Hawks were still like 11th in the East. But right now they've been winning and that ship has kind of sailed. So I still wouldn't be floored if they traded him. I'll say that right now. I would not be that surprised if they traded him. There's a a tangible chance that it happens. And by the way, that same Kevin O'Connor report referenced earlier on the podcast had the Celtics, Kings, Mavs, Pistons, and Wolves interested in John. 
And also, they kind of mentioned Bogdanovich as a trade option, which I'm saying is that's sort of a weird one. But anyway, if you made me guess one way or the other, I would think Collins does not get traded. That's been my party line the entire time. I think it's still the case now. I was maybe wavering on that a little bit a couple weeks ago, and now I'm even back to where I was before because the wing streak and everything that's going along with that. Also, this is not everything, but I think both Zach Lowe and Adrian Wojnarowski in separate podcasts have both kind of echoed the fact that they think Collins is less likely to be traded than more likely, than more likely which doesn't like change anything. It's still like 60-40, 70-30. But, you know, when those guys say that stuff, it, it matters. Um, and I think the general consensus is the Hawks are going to ask for a lot for John, as they should. They should not give him away for cheap. And uh, right now, that offer doesn't seem to necessarily be there. And the Hawks, I'm sure, asking price has probably even gone up in the last couple of weeks. He's been playing great as well. That's very helpful. So at the very least, we'll get through the deadline on Thursday. And if he's still on the team, um, obviously there's a separate negotiation going to happen at that point in time at the end of the season about a contract or maybe a sign and trade. But for now, we'll know more in three days. That's for sure. Um, that'll be my last thing for now, unless there's like a massive rumor or an actual trade that happens in the coming days. But I think right now I would guess he's not traded. Um, I would not be surprised nor shocked if he was traded, and hopefully that, is an answer, hopefully that answers your question, at least on some level, but uh, John's really good, and the Hawks need him to be, as best, to be the best they can be this season, which I think matters to everyone involved. So that'll do it for today. Um, we'll hold our breath until the deadline, of course. Uh, but thanks for listening to the podcast. As always, everybody, please subscribe to the show. I have a new podcast after the game on Monday night, deep into the evening, probably into Tuesday morning at that point in time. But subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you next time.